Today's message was recorded for Sunday, August 9th, 2020. Psalms chapter 46, verse 1, it says that God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. God is our refuge. He is our place of safety and our strength. All of us need strength. I don't care how muscular you are. You've got Terry over here, you know, big strong Terry here. He's like, don't point me out, he says. But no matter how strong you are, no matter how muscular you are, you know what it says that uh, man, altogether, man in his best state is altogether vanity. You could be a bodybuilder, you could be eating the best foods, there's nothing wrong with good nutrition and exercise, but you know what, our body temperature goes up one or two degrees either way, and all of a sudden we're a mess, and we realize how much we need the strength of Almighty God. He is our source, He is our strength, a very present help in trouble. Anybody in trouble here today? He is a very present help in trouble. Often, though, when we find ourselves in the midst of trouble, we feel like, well, maybe I've done something wrong, or maybe God's not pleased with me when I'm in the midst of trouble. Because when we have his blessing on our life, our favor in our life, and things are going well, well, Lord, yeah, you're my everything. God, all of heaven is shining on me. But when we get in the midst of trouble, whether family trouble, relational trouble, just things all around us, we can feel like, God, where are you? And God says, I want to be the one who is with you in the midst of the fiery furnace. I want to be the one who is with you in the midst of trouble. He goes on to say, therefore, in verse 2, Therefore we will not fear, though the earth is removed, or though the mountains are carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, Selah. There is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her in that right early. God is in the midst of you, church. And he wants our faith to be in that, to say, Lord, if you are for me, who can be against me? I see so much turmoil again on Facebook and just in the Christian community about all the turmoil, about all that's happening. And my question for those is, where is your faith? Where is your faith? There has always been upheaval, social upheaval, political upheaval. There has always been turmoil in this world. Why? Because Satan is the God of this world, and he is always trying to cause havoc. Do you remember the story of Jesus when he was born? What was Herod doing with all the little babies in Bethlehem and all that region around? There's always stuff going on. I brought up this story about uh, my wife, Jerry Lynn. She was uh, reading through the story of Esther this week. And do you remember the story of Esther? There was a wicked man named Haman, and he wanted everybody to bow down to him. And Mordecai, he had the courage to, you know, when, when, when Haman went walking by, Mordecai didn't bow down to him. And it made Haman get really mad and really angry at him. How dare this man not bow down to me? And so he asked him, why aren't you bound down to Haman? He's like, well, because I'm a Jewish, I'm a, I believe in the one true God, I'm not going to bow to anybody but to God. Well, Haman got so angry that he convinced the king to exterminate all the Jewish people. And she brought up this point, how one person standing for righteousness can cause the whole nation, in a sense, to be thrown into upheaval. I've always focused on Haman and how one bad person can cause a whole lot of bad, and that's very true. 
But here, one person standing for righteousness and saying, you know what, I'm not going to bow down. I'm going to stand for Almighty God, and I don't care what happens because of his one act. Can you imagine the social pressure on Mordecai? Mordecai, if you would have just bowed down to Haman, our nation would not be in the trouble that it's in today. He's like, no, but I'm not going to bow. Why? Because he had a relationship with Almighty God. I want to ask you, church, how is your relationship with Almighty God? How deep is your relationship with Almighty God? How deep are your roots going with Almighty God? God that we serve, Jesus, desires to have a relationship with you. It is not simply precepts and words that we believe on a page. That is the beginning point because Jesus is the living word of God. But do you have a relationship with him? Is God your refuge? Is God your refuge? So here Mordecai, he wouldn't bow. The whole nation is thrown into turmoil because of his decision to say, I'm going to stand for my convictions I'm going to stand for the one true God. And as a result, there's a threat made against the Jewish people. Hey, you know what? You're going to be exterminated. What did the people of God do? They went to that place of refuge in prayer. They fasted and they prayed and God intervened and he canceled out the wicked plans of Haman. Haman, he was so angry that he wanted to build a a gallows. He wanted to chop off Mordecai's head. And what did God do for Haman? Well, the very gallows that he built for for Mordecai, he's the one who got to hang from those gallows, so to say. Not chopping off the head, he got to hang from the gallows. And so with all that's happening, I want to tell you, in our government even, there are Mordecais in this government. There are Josephs, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego's. There are righteous people who God has placed even in the midst of all that's going on. In our medical field, there is people who are very godly people. But yet, there's all this strife. And so how do we find this refuge church Where is your faith at? Is your faith at what you believe on the internet? Is your faith at all the latest stuff that's going on? Is your life in turmoil? Or is your life being held in the hands of Jesus to say, Lord, there's always wicked things that are going on in this world, but Jesus, you are my faith. You are my trust. You are my hope. You are my refuge and my strength in this time of trouble. And my response is going to be a response of faith and prayer and trust in Almighty God. I did not mean to mean this, to bring this up, church. The latest thing I've seen is this vaccination scare and fear. I decided I want to challenge you, when you leave sometime this week, look up the history of vaccinations. I have some pretty funny comics I would like to put up on there. There was just a craze. We think that this is a a new thing and all this stuff. You ain't going to vaccinate me. No way. I'm not going to give my opinion on it. But do you know what? Same thing was happening 100 years ago with smallpox. Same thing happening 60, 70 years ago with polio. Same thing. But yet, if we're fixated on the little sound bites that we hear on the news or the little Facebook posts that we read, all of a sudden, we're all worked up in turmoil and anger. And they're not going to do that to me. The latest one I've heard is these things cause Legionnaire's disease. I'm wearing this thing. It's going to cause Legionnaire's disease. Would you please bother to read and educate yourself? You have a wonderful tool and read and find out that the risk of that is actually very, very minimal. The only way it would happen is if you're wearing the same thing over and over again. You're never washing it. You're setting it down on dirty things. You know where it's actually coming from? It's AC, air conditioning units that aren't being used, and water fountains that have been used for a long time. The water. 
So again, I didn't mean to get into this church, but I see things that again, we'll get back to God, you're my refuge. I see people being thrown into turmoil. Just, just they're, they're like the waves of the sea. And I'm like, Jesus, that's not what you want for the people of God. That is not your plan for the people of God. Lord, you are a refuge. God, you are our strength. You are a very present help in times of trouble. And so what it means is, while yes, there are wicked people in this world who do not mean well in this world, I don't have faith in them. I'm not going to allow them to control my life with fear and anger. I'm going to have my eyes on Jesus to say, Lord, if God be for me, tell me who can be against me. There is a stream that makes glad the city of our God. Do you have Holy Spirit living inside of you? Do you have those rivers of living water that Jesus stood up and he cried, If anyone thirst, let him come unto me and drink, for out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. God wants us to have a different source, church. To say, Lord, you are my rock and my fortress, my God, the one in whom I trust. He goes on to say here in verse 8, Come and behold the works of the Lord, what desolations he has made in the earth. He makes wars to cease unto the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in sunder. He burns the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen and I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Be still and know that he is God. In Psalms chapter 91 verse 14 Psalms 91, verse 14, it says, and this is God speaking to his people now. God says, prayerfully to you, because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him with long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. I will be with him in trouble and deliver him and honor him. Have you set your love upon God? Who loves Jesus in here? Raise your hand. Every hand ought to be raised. You're in church on a Sunday morning with 75 degrees, blue sky and sunshine out there. But it's not a one time setting your love upon God. How do you set your love upon God? Because here, we'll get to that in a second, but here's what the Lord says. If you set his, your love upon him, therefore God will deliver you. He will set you on high because you know his name. How do you set your love upon God? Go to John chapter 15. Not just by simply saying the words, oh God, I love you. No. John chapter 14, actually. John chapter 14, verse 21. Because here, if I set my love upon the Lord, God promises that he will bring deliverance. When I call, he will answer me. He will be with me in trouble, deliver me with long life, satisfy me, and show me his salvation. So how do I set my love upon the Lord? Not simply by words that I say. John 14, 21 says, He that has my commandments and keeps them, he it is that loves me. 
And he that loves me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself unto him. Judas said to him, Not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself unto us and not to the world? Jesus said unto him, If a man loves me, he shall keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. Lord, I love you. I set my love upon you, Lord. Well, how do I set my love upon the Lord? Jesus says, he that has my commands and keeps them, he is the one who loves me. And the one who loves me says that the Father will come and make his dwelling place, his abode with him. Does God love this whole world? God so loved this world that he gave his only begotten son. He loves everybody. Does he approve of everybody? No. Does he live and make his dwelling place with everybody? No. Well, who does he make his dwelling place? Who wants God to be in your home? Linda. Linda, are you there? Do you want God in your home? Oh, yes. Yes. Millie, is God in your home? Absolutely. Amen. Jesus. I want you to grasp this, church. Is God in your home? Is He here? In your life. Again, I'm not yelling and shouting, so I don't spit at you. If God be for you, who can be against you? Where is the courage of the Davids and the Daniels, the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's? Where is the courage and the faith and the love of God's people? Jesus said, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples. How? By the love that we have one for another. Church, Satan is the divider in chief. Satan is the father of lies. And I want to exhort you and encourage you to stay in God's word, in God's book, because if you're going to survive and thrive in these last days, you've got to stay in this book. Jesus says, he that has my commandments and keeps them, that's the one who loves me. How is, how is the world going to know that we're the disciples of Jesus? Not because we're up in arms and angry and we're protesting this and that and we're always angry, angry. No, it's by the love of God that is to be in our hearts one for another. It's the love of God that is to be in our hearts for the Lord Jesus Christ, the love for his word and for his truth. Jesus wants to live and to dwell in your heart. But if you're in turmoil and strife and you're just all agitated constantly, I want to encourage you, that's not what God's plan is for your life. God's plan for your life. Evelyn, is Jesus in your home? Hmm? He never leaves your home. How could that be? Well, you keep his word. He that has my commands and keeps them. That's the one who loves the Lord, and he that loves me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself unto him. If a man loves me, he will keep my words. My Father will love him, and we will come and make our abode with him. Psalms 91, he that dwells 
in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Do you dwell in the secret place of the Most High? We have a bunch of grandmas who do. And I want to tell you, God wants to pass the mantle, the torch, so to say, the baton. Why is he keeping someone like an Evelyn around and Maggie around for so long? Because he loves you. A church, the Lord wants to pass the peace and the presence of God that they enjoy and they walk in. He wants you to walk in that. He wants you to experience that. That, Lord, I have something of an eternal value in this world. It says that in 2 Corinthians, it says to look at the things that are not seen. Why? Because the things that are not seen are eternal. The things that are seen, they're temporary, they're fading, they're passing away. We have a heavenly kingdom that we are a part of. Our citizenship is in heaven. Your home is to be an embassy of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And so we say, oh God, you are my strength, oh God. You are my peace, O God. You are my hope, O God. You are my shelter, O God. Lord, just as if I was in another nation, another third world country, Lord, Lord, if I'm an ambassador, Lord, and I'm in the embassy, Lord, that embassy, Lord, is a place of refuge. It's because I'm not subject, in a sense, to all the trouble and turmoil of that world. No, there's, there's a place. It's as if I'm an American in that country, Lord. Lord, I'm living as a different citizen within that country, Lord. And Lord, if we are citizens of heaven... Jesus, your word says in Ephesians that we are seated together with you in heavenly places, far above all principalities and rulers of this world. Jesus, open, enlighten the eyes of our understanding that we would know the hope of your calling. Seated together with you, Lord, dwelling in that secret place of the Most High, That Jesus, you said that all authority, all power in heaven and earth has been given unto you. Go, therefore, in that strength. Go, therefore, as that ambassador. Jesus, we thank you that, Lord, we can dwell in that secret place of the Most High. Look what he says in verse 2. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge. He is my fortress. He is my God. In him I will trust. If you'll turn briefly to Psalms chapter 18, verse 1. Psalms chapter 18. says, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, so shall I be saved from my enemies. From verse 1 through 3, nine different times, David says, my. 
Is Jesus your God? Can you say of the Lord that, Lord, I will love you, O Lord, my strength, my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my strength, my buckler, my horn, my high tower? Is the Lord your refuge? You are my strength, O God. Well, how do you find that place where the Lord is yours, that you can personalize that to say, Lord, you're not just something that I believe on the pages of a book, but Lord, there is a living relationship that we have with you. Go to 2 Timothy, please. 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Verse 11 through 14. Paul the Apostle understood this after his encounter with Jesus. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 11 says, Whereunto I have been appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles, for the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. For the which cause I suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. And I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Hold fast the form of sound words, which thou hast heard of me in faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed unto you, keep by the Holy Ghost who dwells in us. Paul the Apostle suffered horribly for his faith. This guy was chased down. He was harassed from town to town. He had people who would lie about him and about his reputation. He had people who would throw rocks at him, try to kill him. He was suffering for his faith in Jesus Christ. What was his response to them? Verse 12, he says, Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. Why? For I know whom I have believed, and I am absolutely persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed unto him against that day. Do you know God in that way? God wants you to. John 17, 3, this is eternal life, that we, may, that we may know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Eternal life, what is that? This is the gift of God, even eternal life. This is what he has promised to us, eternal life. That is not something that simply begins the day that you die. No, that is something that begins the moment that you believe in him, that you are living already in that relationship of favor with Almighty God. It doesn't mean that you're immune from the troubles, no. Lord, though I walk in the midst of trouble, you will revive me. Where is that verse? Go to Psalms 138, verse 6. Psalms 138, verse 6. Psalms chapter 138, verse 6 says, Though the Lord be high, yet has he respect unto the lowly. He regards the lowly, the humble, but the proud he knows afar off. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you will revive me. You will stretch forth your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand shall save me. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Your mercy, O Lord, endureth forever. Forsake not the work of your hands. 
Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you will revive me. You will stretch forth your hand against the wrath of my enemies. Your right hand shall save me. Does the church have enemies? Does Christians, do Christians have enemies? Oh, yeah. Now just watch the news and you'll see how many enemies we actually have. Where's my faith to be in then? Lord, it's time to stand for Jesus. Amen. Lord, it's time to stand for truth. But Lord, help us to remember the attitude and the heart by which that we stand with him. Why? Because as though the Lord is high, yet he has respect to who? To the lowly, to the humble, but the proud he knows afar off. Go back to Second Timothy now. Go back to Second Timothy. Second Timothy chapter 2. Since the Lord is high, he is the high and the lofty one. He has respect, regard for the lowly, the humble, the proud he knows afar off. Second Timothy chapter 2. I'm going to go ahead and read verse 23. It says, uh, I'll read verse 22. Flee youthful lust, but follow after righteousness, faith, charity, and peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Flee those youthful lusts, run from them, but pursue and follow righteousness, pursue and follow after faith, pursue and follow after charity and peace with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart, verse 23, but foolish and ignorant or unlearned questions avoid, why? Because they do gender or produce strife. Verse 24, the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all, apt to teach, patient, in meekness, instructing those who oppose themselves, if God perhaps will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, so they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. And I said that God walks with us in the midst of trouble. He will revive us. The Lord is on high, but he has respect for the lonely, for the lowly, for the humble. It is time to stand for Jesus Christ in this world. But what is the posture of the people of God? What is the attitude, the demeanor of God's ambassadors? How are we to stand for the Lord in this generation? I want to present to you that we are to stand in bold humility. We are to stand in a boldness that the truth, you can't do nothing against the truth. People can lie against the truth. They can ignore the truth, pretend the truth isn't there. No, the truth, it, it can never change. The truth is the truth of God. It's a firm foundation on which you can stand. And when you have truth on your side, you know what? The servant of the Lord must not strive, be quarrelsome, but be gentle, apt to teach, patiently instructing those who oppose themselves. Are there people in this world opposing themselves every day? Yeah. What do you do with it? Get angry with them? How can you be so full? No. Be gentle. Stand on the word of God. Just like Mordecai who says, you know what? I'm going to stand for, for God. And it caused a whole lot of turmoil. But did, did Mordecai get all bent out of shape and get angry and yell at everybody? No, he's like, I'm sorry, I'm just, I can't. I'm going to stand for Jesus now. Hmm. 
I'll go ahead and say this. There's pressure in this world to bow to all sorts of things, church. There's pressure in this world to bow to all sorts of things. Black Lives Matter. Don't bow. Don't. I don't say do it with an attitude. You don't bow. Inform yourself. How are the people of God to conduct themselves? I only bow to Jesus Christ. My heart was deeply saddened, in a sense, for one pastor I saw. He was walking in that crowd, marching with them. I'll just, Joel Osteen. And my heart was deeply saddened for him when he was marching with Black Lives Matter for this reason. Because of the political pressure to march along with an organization, though maybe a lot of the people who march, they have no idea what the organization stands for. The organization is completely wanting to demolish Western society and everything that we hold dear. The organization Black Lives Matter wants to dismantle the nuclear family, a mother and a father raising children in their home. That's what they want. And so there's a lot of pressure to bow and to cave to movements within society and to say, wait a second, the church doesn't have to bow to that, to be shamed into that. We bow for Jesus Christ and we kneel for him. There's a movement to want to dismantle our history and to shame America for everything that's bad about our history. So are we just to ignore all that? Get to know your history, church. There is none righteous, no, not one. He that is without sin among you, let him be the first to cast a stone. If you read African history, history from Asia, history from South America, history from Europe, it doesn't matter what continent we go to, This world is filled with history that is in turmoil and history of mankind oppressing mankind. Well, what do we do about that? Do we apologize for that and all that? No. We go to the one source of refuge and hope that we do have, that in spite of all the bad that's happened in this nation, all the bad in this world, those who have believed this book and trusted the God of the Bible are the ones who have brought about the most positive change in this world. The ones who have held on to Jesus Christ and promoted his salvation in this world are the ones who have brought about the greatest changes and brought the greatest peace in this world because only Jesus can truly bring peace in this world. God, you are my refuge God, you are my strength. God, you are my fortress. Lord, you are my deliverer. Then automatically I can hear fear try to come in. Oh, what about if persecution comes? I'm not looking forward to it, church. But even if persecution comes, Lord, you are my rock and my refuge, my fortress. You are the one in whom I trust in. What if you get thrown in the fire, so to say, or something horrible happens to you? Well, I guess I get to go see Jesus really quick. When I ask you, will you be kind to my wife and to my family? To each other? Pray for them and love them? Because church, this world needs this book. And this world needs Jesus more than ever. It is the only hope that we have. But you have to arm yourself with truth. You have to 
educate yourself. You have to say, Lord, help me to get in this book and to realize the blessings that you have for your people and not be willing to let it go because, Lord, it is so easy just to go with the multitudes, whether the multitudes into sin and rioting and rebellion or to go with the multitudes of those who are they're in the same kind of rebellion. Lord, you have a solution, and the only solution is the salvation that is found through Jesus Christ. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The gospel story is this, that God so loved this world, not the condition of this world. He saw all the sin, all the injustice, all the wickedness of this world. And rather than throw this world away, he sent his son Jesus into this world to live amongst us so that way he could identify with us. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of this world and the eternal blameless, without spot, without blemish, the Lamb of God, Jesus, God's only Son, he went to a place called Calvary, died on a cruel cross, where he took the sins of this world upon himself. He died upon that cross. They buried him for three days, and on the third day, he rose again from the dead. And because he rose again from the dead 40 days later, he ascended to heaven and he said, I am coming back again. And so he is the only hope that we have, church. Yeah, he's coming soon, Steve. And we have a window of time right now to prepare. I do believe churches are being shut down and they're trying to shut churches down because they are trying to diminish the strength of the church. I commend you for being here this morning. And I also want you to be prepared that who knows what's coming down the road. To be prepared to hold on to the word of God. To say, Lord, you're my refuge. You're my strength. You're my fortress. Can I keep going on for a little while longer? I don't mean to give commentary, but sometimes I feel like I have to. It's the way I got to get the message out. And it's on the internet too. I will still say this. I am optimistically cautious about all these wonderful masks and coronavirus. John MacArthur, nationwide, worldwide ministry, has decided to open his church in Southern California. No masks, no social distancing, no nothing. And he has staked his claim to say, you know what, we either serve Caesar or we serve God. I want to tell you something. I am optimistically cautious in this sense with COVID-19. I do believe it is a legitimate virus. I do believe it has some very wicked side effects for many people. That while I can understand and say, John MacArthur, if you're right, it's between you and God. I'm not prepared quite yet to do that for this reason is because God hasn't spoken to me to do that, just throw away the mask and everybody clump together for this reason. When you educate yourself, this is a wicked virus. It is not comparable to the flu or the common cold. The flu and the common cold does not cause widespread coagulation of blood clotting through a body. COVID-19 does for many people. The common cold and the flu does not cause the symptoms of the complications that COVID does. And so why am I bringing all this up? Because I can see in the future possibly they're going to try to shut churches down again. 
Is there a nefarious plan behind it all? Do people hate the church? Yeah, they do. There's a lot of Hamans out in this world who will love nothing more than to, to diminish the strength of the church of Jesus Christ. What is our response to be? I want to present to you, it's not an A or B, and it's either this or that, or there is no other response. John MacArthur, his response, you're either for Caesar or for God, and that's it. There's no other option out there. I say, I don't quite believe that, John. What I believe is, Jesus, we're going to put our faith in you. And the thing that we need to preserve church above all other things is the love one for another. How good and how pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell in unity. And Jesus said, by this all people will know we're his disciples, by the love that we have one for another. And so I'm wrapping all this up with this, my scrambled egg message. My wife will ask me, what did you preach on this morning? And I'll say scrambled eggs, and she knows exactly what I mean by that. <laughs> because of the climate and the political climate that we live in, church, my heart for you as a church is to say, God, would you preserve the body and even allow it to grow? And would you preserve it in the sense of causing your love one for another to overflow into our hearts, God, that we would not become divided and possibly increasingly so if they try to shut things down again and if this continues to go crazy. Lord, would you help this body, at least Central Park Neighborhood Church, to come together and absolutely refuse to allow anything to divide us or to cause fighting one amongst another. Does that make sense? To say, Lord, you're our refuge. Lord, we don't have our head in the sand. There's a lot of crazy, crazy stuff going on in this world, but Lord, you're my refuge. Lord, you're my rock and you're my strength, my fortress. You're the one in whom I trust, Lord. And Lord, these are my brothers and sisters, the one that you died for, that you shed your blood for them. Lord, that you have purchased and redeemed each and every person. I pray, Lord, that you would cause us, as it says in Ephesians, to preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. That, Lord, that you would cause us, Lord, to love one another, to pray for one another, to encourage one another, to exhort one another. Lord, that when we see a brother or sister down, that we would want to lift them up and encourage them to say, yeah, there's, there's a lot of crazy stuff out there. Let's look to Jesus again. Let's look to the Lamb of God who was slain from the foundation of this world. He's coming again. Let's lift up our heads for our redemption is drawing near. Let's lift up our eyes unto Jesus and to say, Lord, we want to be waiting expectantly for you. And the, the last scripture I want to turn to is found in 1 Peter. Say, Jesus, would you cause your church to, to flourish in these days, Lord? First Peter chapter 4. By the way, Peter was written to the persecuted church. Peter was written to those who were experiencing grievous persecution and dispersion. They were being scattered abroad. First Peter chapter 4, uh, verse 7. He says this, but the end, everybody say the end. And that was 2,000 years ago. But the end of all things is at hand. Be therefore sober and watch unto prayer. Is the end of all things at hand, David? 
You think so? Yeah, it is. How can you say that? Well, number one, because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And number two, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Because of those two events, we are in the last days. People who mock the last days, they don't understand human history. Because Jesus rose, he set in motion the beginning of the end. He is the first fruits of those who rose from the dead. In the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And so Peter says, the end of all things is at hand, Randy. So what's his solution? What does he tell us to do? Be therefore sober. What does sober mean? Clear-headed. Clear-headed. Have sound judgment. When you read something crazy on the internet, I will exhort you, for those who would call me pastor, read both sides of the argument. I have favorite news sites. I have favorite doctors I listen to, but I also listen to the ones I don't like to listen to. Why? Because I want to hear both sides of the story. Be clear-headed. Have sound judgment in these days and watch unto prayer. Watch unto prayer. David, how old are you? 55. 55. My dad was 46, uh, 1992, when he gave his heart to the Lord. He was in his 40s when he gave his heart to the Lord. You're older than he was. The Lord spoke to him. Were you in the military? No? Okay. The Lord spoke to my dad and says, Jerry, I know you were, Terry. I want you to pray two hours every day. Dad had a full-time job where he's in three teenage boys, and my dad's like, why do I want to pray, God? You know everything. You're the end from the beginning. Why should I pray, God? And the Lord says, Jerry, when you were in the military, would you question your, your commanding officer? No, sir. And so he'd get up every morning, and he prayed for two hours every day. He prayed in tongues, by the way. He just said, pray in your prayer language. And it brought about a dramatic change in his life. Church, be sober. Be clear-headed. Read both sides. But don't get fixated on it. Just inform yourself and then move on. Be sober and watch unto prayer. If you are a person, what's your name, young man, again, the white shirt there? Adam. Adam. If you get your eyes on Jesus even more so and pray, you know what? Your faith will grow stronger than you ever imagined. Can I say one thing to you, though? But don't be like it was says in the book of Psalms, but I have become wiser than all my instructors. Stay humble. (laughs) God's put a godly man in your life. Pray, though, because as you do, God will give you faith. What does he go on here? The end of all things is at hand. Above all, everybody say above all. But above all things, in view of the fact that the end is at hand, above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves. I love that. The end of all things is the end of the world. Don't you know what Bill Gates is trying to do to us? Some do. Don't you know what's going on in this crazy world? Yeah, I I know. Don't you know Jesus? Don't you know the great I am? Don't you know the one who is the judge who's coming back? The king of kings and the Lord of lords, the great I am? Don't you know the one who is victorious, seated on the throne? Don't you know who he is? He is your Lord and your Savior. Be sober. Watch into prayer. Hey, David and Michelle, above all things, 
hunker down, get your bunker, load up on the ammunition, and get your food supply. Oh, goodness gracious. Who remembers Y2K? I've I got to wrap this up. I'm sorry. The end is at hand. Above all, Bruce and Jenny, keep loving people. Have fervent charity one for another. He goes on to say, why? For charity, love will cover a multitude of sins. You hear stupid opinion out there? Have fervent charity. Address it, dismantle it, in gentleness, meekness. You you got some wrong information there. I love you. Have fervent charity one for another. We're going to guard the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Jesus is Lord over all. Well, don't you know? Yeah, I know, but don't you know Jesus? Aren't you dwelling in the secret place of the Most High, abiding under the shadow of, all, of the Almighty? I will say of the Lord that he is my refuge and my fortress. Elna, he is your God, the one in whom you trust. Surely he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He will deliver you. God, we trust in you. Lord, I thank you so much for the people of God who have gathered here this morning. God, I pray that you would give us that grace, help us to receive that grace, Lord, that we would walk in that place of refuge and trust and peace. Lord, I pray that you would allow us to walk in that grace, Lord, that our eyes would be fixed on you, that we would not live a life of turmoil, but Lord, that we would truly represent you, the kingdom of heaven, Lord, that we would stand as your ambassadors, that, Lord, you would give us the courage of Mordecai, though, as well, when you call upon us to do so. Lord, not in anger and rage and all that, but, Lord, when you call upon us to stand and to stand in truth, Lord, even if there is far-reaching consequences, Lord, would you give us the grace of Mordecai? And, Lord, would you give the people of God the grace to pray and to put their faith in you, Lord, in spite of the Hamans of this world, our God is our refuge. He will deliver. If not here in this life, he will deliver in the next to come. Let's all stand together, church. Father, we thank you so much for your word. As we stand together with every eye closed, just briefly and has bowed for a moment, if you know in your heart of hearts that God... I know maybe perhaps a lot about you, but Lord, if I'm honest, I'm not serving you and your interest. Lord, I've been serving my own interest. Lord, I don't want to serve my interest and my purposes. Jesus, I want to serve your interest and your purposes, your kingdom. Jesus, I don't want you simply as a, as a ticket to heaven, so to say, where I say some simple prayer. Jesus, I want that relationship with you. Lord, I want to be able to abide in you and you and me. Lord, I want my home to be a peaceful habitation, my marriage to be a peaceful marriage, a growing marriage, that, Lord, that you would dwell in my home. If that's you this morning, you want to grow, you want to be rooted and grounded in God, and you need to return to him, repent, say, Lord, I'm not going to serve my interest anymore. Jesus, I want to, to surrender to your lordship. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Anybody here? Amen. Amen. God sees those hands. Anybody else? Amen. Amen. 
If you raised your hands this morning, I invite you down as we dismiss the service in prayer. Father, you've seen these hands that have been raised. Lord, these are hands that are saying, Lord, I want to be honest. Lord, I, I want this stability in my life. I want this relationship in my life. I want you to be my rock and my refuge. Lord, I no longer want to be carried along with every whim of this world and every the latest opinions. Lord, I want my life to be stable in you. I want my life to be on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. Lord, for those who are returning to you, God, I just pray that you would grant them that wonderful gift of repentance. Lord, that you would shine your light in their hearts to see every area of self-reliance and independence. Lord, that they would turn thoroughly and completely from it to say, Lord, no longer am I my own. You have purchased me and redeemed me with your precious blood. From this day forward, I will serve Jesus Christ in him alone. Lord, I ask that you would cause your face to shine upon your church and your people as we leave this building. Lord, help us to be ambassadors that represent you. Help us to shine for you, Jesus, and to bring your hope and your salvation wherever we go. In Jesus' name, amen.